This is Further, a weekly show for the people of Harmony Bible Church where we seek to revisit and expand on Sunday sermons with the goal of growing deeper in biblical truth that transforms our lives. Welcome back to Further. I'm Brenton Grimm, and we have Matt Mitchell with us again today. Greetings. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Um, this last week, most of you heard Steve DeWitt. Um, which again was uh, Chris Carr's old pastor um, when he was in Indiana. Um, Steve's come here a couple times, and and both times um, he's been great. Um, what a what a great communicator, and um, yeah, he had a lot of great things to say on Romans seven. So um, that was really good. But also in Fort Madison, uh, many of you probably won't know this, but Matt Mitchell has been preaching there live a lot, and so we haven't been. Uh, streaming from from Danville or Burlington as much. Um, mm-hmm. How's that been going in Fort Madison? Has that been good to have some live preaching down there now? Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I think we've got some good feedback of people that are enjoying it, but they still enjoy the live stream. And Chris is on there, and uh, it's been a good opportunity for me as a young pastor to just uh, have more reps of learning how to teach God's word well. And I've been grateful for it. Yeah. 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 Then as we look forward, um, next week is going to be, we're going to start our short Jonah series. So we'll have four weeks of, mm-hmm. of Jonah. Uh, Clay's going to gonna start that out. And so next week he, he will be in here with me uh, and we'll be jumping into that. So we're excited to move forward. And um, after, after the four weeks of Jonah, we'll be back to Romans 8. So we're all, I think we're all looking forward to, to Romans 8. So. Absolutely. All right, let's start out here. I want to talk a little bit about the the controversy of Romans 7, and I think um, Steve got into it a little bit, um, talking about perfectionism, um, but I don't think that you even kind of mentioned it in your sermon on, on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I, I chose not to address it uh, for the sermon anyways. Yeah. Um, but I'll give a little disclaimer before we get into this that we are not experts on the subject. Um, By no means. <laughs> yeah, and there, there's a lot of smart people on both sides of this. Um, but we do kind of want to give you just an idea. I thought this was a good platform to to give you guys kind of a surface level level idea of, of what the controversy is and um, maybe some implications of it. So um, I'll let you expand on this, but essentially the debate is over whether Paul is speaking in this passage about his post-conversion state or his pre-conversion state. So in other words, is he talking about his experience as a Christian or before he was saved? So can you kind of lay out just your understanding of both of those sides? Yeah, certainly. So I I didn't know there was uh, different views on this at all until uh, I had an assignment once at Bible school, where it was, the task was to study both of them, kind of write something on it, and wh- where you land. And so I think most people, myself included, if you're just devotionally reading the Bible, not study Bible, but just re- just reading it, you're going to get to Romans 7, and then once you get into uh, verses 12 to the end, or, or uh, 13 to the end, you are going to be reading it like, oh, wow, I, I sympathize with Paul. He's got this struggle that goes on, and he doesn't do the things he wants to do, and he... And he he delights in the, God's law and his inner being, but uh, he calls himself a wretch, and uh, you know, he can't fulfill what he always wants to do. And there's this war raging, and it's oh, I've, I finally sympathize with the Apostle Paul, and uh, I think that is a really good way to interpret it, and that's the way I took it, and, and still do, and I preached that in my sermon. Steve Dewitt did the same, 
but there's also a line of thought where uh, some great guys who have been studying the Bible that are scholars that know all the languages, uh, like Greek, and they know Hebrew, and so Greek is what the New Testament would have been written in, and uh, for a variety of reasons, they take this other approach where they think that Paul seems so defeated in Romans 7, or not not Paul, but the eyes, uh, the eye statements, which seems like Paul. Right. Uh, if he's speaking in first person at you know at the time he's writing Romans about his current struggles with sin, he seems so defeated that there's no way this could be the normal Christian experience. It must be an immature Christian. That's that's kind of like a, a nuanced view, like a uh, that doesn't understand the gospel quite well enough yet. I think like kind of growing, um, or somebody who's this is the the predominant other view is this is like a pre-converted Jew who has grown up under the law and uh, loves God's law but can't fulfill it, and there's this struggle that goes on, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of the route they take. And so, yeah, th- th- those are those the two, without getting really far, far deep into it, it's, uh, people think it's, it, this Paul is still a current struggle that he has, that every Christian has, and, uh, or it's Paul kind of relating with his... Jewish Christian audience that before the gospel, um, they couldn't really fulfill what they wanted to, uh, just with the law. Yeah. 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 I I appreciate that. That's a good uh, overview. I think you see in like verse 18, I think you can kind of get the, the idea of this kind of defeatist attitude of like, for example, in verse 18, he says, for I know that, that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh, mm-hmm. for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And and that is kind of, um, it, it is pretty defeatist, but at the same time, I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's that's where we are a lot of the time. We have we have sin struggles. And sure. It is, it's hard um, to get past those, right? Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, uh, and, and I just think that even through this, the reason it sits so well with me and as reading it as a normal Christian experience is uh, Paul gets that place where he says, wretched man that I am. And in uh, verse 24, who, who who will deliver me from this body of death? And verse 25 is, he is making it so crystal clear. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, exclamation point, that um, just even in the midst of the struggle, we've got to look back to Christ and we cannot fulfill God's standards on our own. Uh, apart from the gospel and apart from the spirit coming to live inside of us, and uh, that's that's kind of the crescendo of the whole thing. Is there, yes, there's a struggle going on, but praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord that He's the deliverer. He's the one that's going to um, carry us through. Yeah, yeah, and I I think one thing and I was as I was kind of reading through it and um thinking through both of those sides was just even the fact that he he desires to do good right he mm. he has these desires that he knows what's right and he um he's upset that he that he can't do it and i just i again i'm no expert on this and i <laughs> i'm not diving into the exegesis as much as others have but i just look back to romans 3 and i i see his his own explanation of what someone is before Christ. Sure. A- and we see no one does none good, is no righteous, not no yeah. not one. No yeah. one understands. No one seeks for God. And so 
for Paul to have these um, these desires for good, these desires to glorify God and to please God, it seems like to me that 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 is going to be someone that is in a regenerate state, someone that is already a Christian. Sure. Yeah, and, and one more thing on that too. I, th- I think Romans seven verse nine. Um, this would have been last week, but I think it it kind of shed some light on this too. Paul says, "I was once alive apart from the law, um, and not alive spiritually." But basically, I think he's using language saying um, there was a time where I was free from the law to do whatever I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and then he says, "But when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died." Yeah, and uh, so I, I think that that gives us an example into. Yeah, I was once kind of free to do whatever I wanted, and that's the way we would describe ourselves before coming to know Christ, that we didn't really have a care in the world for <laughs> what what God necessarily wanted for us. We were just doing our own thing, and um, we were just driven by sin and uh, a selfish underlying uh, factor, you know, led everything we did. And so um, I think verse 9 is helpful for that too. And yeah, I, in some ways, I think that this is helpful even for us. I, I know <laughs> it's kind of a common thing to say that even, I think Nathan said it last week, even if I was half the man that Paul was, I'd be far better than I am. And I think <laughs> like we um, we all look up to Paul, right? Mm-hmm. We, we see him as a kind of a spiritual giant, and yet um, we see him going through the same struggles that we do, um, that we have all the time. And so I think that... In some ways, it's an encouragement, but also you're right that it is an example of what we should do, that we we look to Christ in yeah. the end. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, you can tell, you can tell the frustrations there, you know, it's, it's complicated, it's frustrating, it's, it's discouraging. I mentioned that in my sermon, that the struggle is real, <laughs> it's yeah. discouraging, it's frustrating. I think we see, even see some of that in Romans 8, that there's this groaning that takes place and all of creation, but within ourselves that we want to uh, get rid of the this flesh that hangs on and still grips us at times and yeah. be, uh, be fully glorified and perfect with the Lord. So, Okay, good. So I'm going to uh, take this a little different direction. What you actually just said will play off of that. So uh, the, the, the idea of the flesh, right? So um, there was uh, in the first and second century this um, this kind of thought um, and this this line of belief called Gnosticism, and one thing that came along with that was this belief of dualism, where the the flesh is evil, but the spirit is good, and there's this kind of dichotomy mm-hmm. uh, between. Uh, between the the physical realm and the spiritual realm, kind of the yin and the yang mm-hmm. situation, and I think uh, just kind of a uh, overview read of this scripture of this passage, I think you can maybe see it can it can almost seem like that's what Paul's saying: the flesh is evil, everything that's physical is what we need to get rid of, and we need to uh, embrace the spiritual. Um, I get. Can we yeah. talk about the the kind of Gnostic belief? Um, it, it really is not not even close to a Christian belief, right? Yeah, certainly, yeah, it's, Be, it's not because we believe Christians believe that that God created not only spiritual, but He also created the physical realm. And he, yes, if we look back at Genesis, we see that God did create our flesh, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And so, there's nothing inherently evil about flesh, right? But but that it's been corrupted. And so, yeah, I guess talk about that a little bit and your thoughts on it. 
Yeah, and uh, that's that's really good. And I I think you you could at first glance read Romans seven uh, or other spots in the in the Bible where it talks about you know battling against the flesh and and come to the conclusion you know I I, I need to escape this world. I need to get rid of this body. Um, that's what's holding me back from being with God and being perfect. And so I, um, yeah, that, that was, Gnosticism was anything physical is bad. The, our bodies are bad. That, that's what's holding us back. And we need to obtain our ultimate enlightenment is you know getting rid of this body and just being spirit. That's that's what it's all about. And uh, that's really dangerous because that's not the way the, the Bible reads. And we see in Genesis chapter one that God creates everything uh, visible and invisible. And he calls it all good, and the beginning, and and then the end of the Bible isn't us spending forever up in uh, in heaven as spirits, but it's actually spirit and body coming back together with a resurrected body and a fully uh, perfect and glorified spirit dwelling on a new earth, uh, this earth re- renewed, and uh, um, in the capital city of heaven in Jerusalem, and so. Uh, the big story, it's all those pieces are there. And here I think, um, and I'm not an expert on this either, uh, there is a lot of different ways flesh is used in the Bible. And sometimes it is talking about the physical body, skin, bones, hair, mm-hmm. um, our members uh, of the body. And sometimes, like in this this context, uh, the flesh, you know, that's raging, there's a war raging with the spirit, the that's that's talking that's not talking about our body our physical body but uh, our sinful nature that's uh, in this wrestling match with the spirit and um, it's uh, I think I'm quoting uh, John Piper here but he, I think he talks about the flesh that we still have their our sinful nature even after coming to Christ is like the guerrilla warfare that's still taking place in our bodies it's like. Jesus has won um, because of his atonement and his resurrection, and his, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, soon to return, yet we're still in this struggle, and it's there's uh, these little groups of guerrilla warfare that still try to, still want to reign, but um, that's that's the that's the battle we're in. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I, I mean, Gnosticism was, was rampant throughout um the the writing of the Bible, Paul was speaking against it. John spoke against it right. many different times. Um, and I think that part of the danger of it, we we had talked about. I don't know, it was a while ago on the podcast, but we talked about asceticism and this idea that we kind of we we punish we punish our bodies um, to to remove sin, right? So we hmm. we kind of do all these all these works and kind of extreme works sometimes to um, to kill our flesh mm-hmm. um, because we rightly see the the issue with sin but we kind of wrongly uh, uh, attribute that to to our flesh and so um, for a lot of reasons it's it's uh, it's a it's not a, <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous belief and so yeah we see many different uh, teachings against it in the Bible. Yeah, and I think it's it's good you brought it up, and just yeah, I want everybody to be clear that that would listen that this is not a battle between uh, spirit and body, and the body's holding us back and is mm-hmm. bad. It's uh, it's all good uh, because God made us good, but we are fallen, and that uh, that's that perfect glorified state. We're not there yet, 
um, but it will be body and spirit and not just uh, not just spirit. So Matt, for your um, your application points, you had four of them this week, and just read through them here. They were: don't look to the law, look to the gospel, look at where you're sowing, and then look forward to your future glory. And those are kind of your your four application points of, yeah. of next steps. But I want to start with the the you you said don't look to the law um, for your position or progress before God. And I think could you could you expand on that a little bit? Um, because I think to some extent we should be measuring ourselves um, against the law to make sure that we are progressing, right? So we need some objective standard to kind of see right. where are we in our in our spiritual walk. So can you just kind of expand on that and maybe. We'll talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, certainly. In my sermon, I didn't have enough time to, to parse all this out, but what I was trying to get across was uh, um, we're, we're stuck in this in-between time between being saved and being fully saved, fully glorified and perfect with God in eternity. And in this in-between time, uh, as, as believers, the primary place we should not be looking at the primary place we should we should be looking is the gospel. But I started off with the here's the place we should not look for our position, which is our justification. We've talked about that many weeks, but I'll real briefly um, our right standing and approval before God. We should not be looking to the law because we can't fulfill the law on our own, but Christ has, and uh, we're no longer under the law for just our justification, but we're under grace um, because we're in Christ. And so our position don't look to the law like how. How am I doing with God uh, eternally? Does he approve of me? Don't look to the law, because we, we've all failed. Look to Christ. He's come to save. For sure. And then as, as far as progress goes, I was using progress, uh, thinking of our sanctification. And okay, uh, and there's many people who have uh, an ongoing battle for them is struggling with assurance of their salvation, yeah. um, which is which is big. Like, like, am I saved? Am I not saved? Does God still have me? Um, that's never been a struggle for me, but what I've struggled terribly with is how well am I doing with the Lord today? Mm. Like, as he pleases me today, like yeah. if I die, I'm, I'm pretty certain I'm going to heaven. I, no, I shouldn't say I'm pretty certain. I'm confident. I'm, uh, fully confident. I'm going to go to heaven. I've always had that assurance for whatever reason that hasn't been the struggle for me. It's been where I'm at with the Lord today. Like, like I, I just messed up all day today, and I didn't do anything right. <laughs> um, I kept doing what I did not want to do. And uh, is God mad at me? Is He dis- displeased? Do I need to do some more good so that I'm back in His good graces? You know, uh, which none of that is true. And so, my point here: don't look to the law for your progress before God. Is is more of a subjective. Our feelings. Um, we cannot look to the law for how we are doing with God today. And uh, we were dialoguing about this earlier, but I was just thinking of if if we look to the law about how we're doing with the Lord, um, it's easy to take Jesus out of the equation in two different ways. And one is we we can just get really puffed up and prideful, like I'm doing great as far as it, God's commandments go. You know, I've got it down. And the Pharisees kind of had that attitude, and uh, we can't be kidding ourselves. Sometimes we have that attitude, like I'm doing pretty all right, um, and then. But on the other end, and I think this is what's going on in Romans 7, is uh, we can get caught in like a self-loathing, like wretched man that I am, but we just stay with (laughs) wretched man that I am. And we don't move on to verse 25, which is, you know, praise God for Jesus. And um, 
we can't stay in that place, but we will if we just look to God's law. Like, I'm looking at the commandments, I'm looking at the imperatives in the New Testament, and I'm failing. Yeah. Um, no, you're still in Christ, and He's still got you, and uh, that, uh, how you're, well, or whatever is going on with your progress today, it can't affect your justification, and I think maybe that's a better way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. The the way you put it, don't look to the law for your position before God. Totally agree that that's yeah. That is your justification, that is your standing, your righteousness that you have through Christ. That does not change based on on your performance. Um and I think we've we've talked through this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but but the idea of your progress, I think we look to kind of verses like Second Corinthians 13, uh, verse 5, Paul's saying, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And so I, I, think, I think we're kind of saying the same thing, and I think it's just kind of a, a bit of a nuanced conversation. But to, to test ourselves, to examine ourselves, we have to have something objective to, to um, measure ourselves against. And so... I think that we should be checking our progress against the law, but but you're right. The way we measure ourselves against the law should not lead to despair for us. It should lead us to more to Christ. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Yeah, and and I think another important piece with that too is Romans 8 is going to flesh this out in detail, but it Romans 8 literally starts in with saying uh what the law could not do. God has done, um, and uh, th- through Jesus, and now we have the Spirit, and the Spirit empowers us to actually live out God's law, um, not because we're under the law, but because we're under grace, and it's this kind of this beautiful uh, example of uh, when we were under the law before, we couldn't fulfill it. So God takes us out from underneath the law, under grace, but he puts his spirit inside of us, and now we're fulfilling the law better than we ever have. Mm-hmm. Even though we still struggle, yeah. um, we've got the spirit now. We didn't before, and um, that's why I mean, that's why we preach, we preach sermons directly from God's word, and God's word convicts because the Holy Spirit's ultimately the one convicting us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's good about conviction is we have an opportunity for repentance and then just driving us back to Jesus and placing our faith in him and yeah and that and that's absolutely the distinction is <clears throat> is the work of the spirit mm-hmm. um that that's that's why the law in this way can give us assurance because we know that the spirit is working in our lives because because we have something to objectively measure ourselves against um and and like um like Chris has been saying that it's sanctification is not about perfection; it's about progress, and that and, right. and so we need to be able to see that. We need to be able to see the way that the Spirit has worked in our lives. Again, um, but that doesn't change change our position <laughs> before God. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's that's good. Absolutely. One of your one of the other application points was look at where you're sowing. And I, I think this isn't somewhere that um, Steve went with the message. So I just kind of want to give you a chance to have a little broader audience with with what you were um, talking about in this section. 
uh, one of the things you said was there's a battle raging and it's it's not won or lost by heavy artillery, but but through small seeds thrown sown to the flesh or sown to the spirit. And so you had brought up Galatians six, but kind of just give us give us this section. Yeah, I think it, if if you've been doing the reading plan, you've certainly seen passages from Galatians pop up uh, throughout the weeks in Romans because Paul wrote Galatians bef- the letter to these churches in Galatia in this region before he wrote to the Roman believers, but he's tackling a lot of the same issues. And in Galatians 6, I'm just going to read it. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And uh, you know, this is, I don't want to assume everybody knows what this is. Um, I remember when Jesus would talk about, do the birds sow? You know, and I was like, I'm picturing someone like sowing, like S-E-W, sowing, <laughs> like thread. <laughs> um, but sowing seeds, planting seeds right. that are going to grow and we're going to have a harvest. We're going to reap uh, reap the harvest. And so whatever you sow, um, that that's what you're going to reap. And he says in verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Uh, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And just as we're kind of stuck in this in-between, being saved but not fully saved, and the struggle's going on, and... Um, We've got this exhortation from Paul also in Galatians 6 to pay attention to where we are sowing. Um, where are we where are we planting? You know, are we are we giving ourselves to kingdom purposes and what uh God would have for us as his disciples, as his followers? Or are we just kind of doing our own thing and loving the world and um going through the motions and uh yeah, I show up to church sometimes or every week, but I'm I'm not really present, you know, and uh I just think it's it's a it's this call that we constantly like you read the verse earlier, we have to examine ourselves. We need to examine ourselves like am I am I really lending myself to uh what the spirit is doing in my life or am I ignoring him? Yeah, so in Galatians uh verse nine, um it says don't grow weary of doing good, right? Yeah. So what 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 impact does that have on um, in what way do we grow weary of doing good? Yeah, great question. So I, I think there's a, a lot of reasons, but I think one of the main reasons is we're not being patient in the process that things uh, take a bit of time to grow and to flourish and to, to produce fruit. And if you put a, to use Paul's analogy, if you put a seed in the ground, it's you're hoping it's going to have fruit on it the next day. It's not going to. It's not going to germinate, come through this, the the surface of the soil yet. Um, but um, so we need to continue to do good to um, to walk in the Spirit and do what God's calling us to do in His Word. And don't get discouraged in the meantime when we're not seeing things in the here and now, like this dramatic change has taken place um, overnight or over the last several months even. Um, one pastor I really appreciate, uh, this stuck out to me big time. He he used to say, uh, don't measure your spiritual progress or growth in years, measure it in decades. Hmm. And, and, uh, at this point, you know, I was, I don't remember when I heard that. I mean, I was like 20 years old and I was like <laughs> decades, you know, only two, only two decades old. <laughs> now I'm just a little over three decades old, but that was actually really encouraging because it's like, you're going to get weary of doing good 
and continuing on the Christian faith if you're just looking at the days and the weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and even the year, you know, you might have a, uh, you maybe have a hard couple of years, but maybe if you look on the last decade, it's like, oh man, Lord, I I really have reaped a harvest, and yeah. I'm so grateful I haven't given up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to look at that. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me in Steve's message, um, he said, you can measure how much you love Christ by how much you hate your sin. And I think we've, mm. we've touched on that a little bit in previous episodes, the idea of not, um, not kind of tying yourself to the negative aspect of sanctification where we just can't do this and we can't do this and we can't do this thing, but we replace it with with a positive love for something and yeah in this case someone it's christ and i think that that is um such an important thing to to realize to talk about that um that we we need to replace the negative with the positive and Mm -hmm. we need to redirect that into into love for christ i i totally agree and i think that's really well put because um, to kind of say what you said in a different way, were we need to flee our sin and run from it, but in our running away from sin, we're running into the arms of Christ. Yeah, and it, it's like He is our ultimate love. It's not I need to get away from this sin so that God's pleased with me. Like, and that's the end of the story. It's God is displeased with sin, and um, but. He literally sent Jesus for the penalty of our sin and to be condemned in our place. And so when I'm turning away from sin, I'm not just turning away from sin to get a pat on the back. I'm turning away from sin to run to, run to Jesus, my Savior. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all I have today, but that was helpful. Um, appreciate you kind of walking us through this uh this fun little Roman seven controversy, a little fun fact for today. So, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, appreciate uh, you, just the work that you've been putting into to preaching, and I um, yeah look forward to you, to you doing it more. Um, next week, like I said, we'll be back with Clay um, following up on the first Jonas uh, sermon. So, thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>